You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. part of the gospel that every part of the church world agrees on, which is quite a miracle in itself. Um, and there are 13 million people in Australia that say they're Christian. 13 million. On any one Sunday, less than 2 million go to any kind of church. A million to mass and a million to the rest of us combined. But there are 11 million people who already say they're Christian. We just have to show them what it is. So whenever we run Alpha in our kind of churches, people will say things like, but I'm Catholic or I'm Anglican because that's their family of origin. And you just go, great, this is approved by the Catholic Church. Proved by the, it, will, it will double your numbers just doing that because people... And you know what happens in our society today? Our research says this, that Australians have several barriers towards church, but every one of those is overcome when they know someone of faith. And they're actually significant warm towards spirituality. Australians are on a journey towards spirituality. But here's the sad stat. There's, I have lots of those stats for those who are interested. 49% of Australians say they never have a spiritual conversation. Right? They're not sitting around at the cafes and pubs in Newcastle talking about, so what's your view on eschatology? How are you feeling about creation? They're not. They're not even talking about Jesus. They're not, they don't have a place for their spiritual questions. So use Alpha as a tool or don't, but have a place where people can discuss stuff. And here's the thing, they don't want you to have the answers. They actually just want to discuss the questions. Because you get a group together and you say, what's your question? And they'll say, oh, you know, if you're a Christian, can you kill spiders? Why does God allow war? Why is there suffering? And there'll be someone in that group who'll say, well, you know what? If God existed, how come six-year-old boys die? Okay, not a random question. People want a place to have a spiritual conversation, to go on the journey. So I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're doing, just to think about that. You know, the average Australian, 70% of them, when surveyed secretly, say they pray. Seven out of ten of your neighbours pray. They're just not quite sure who they pray to and whether they should tell anyone about it. So we, had, we were building a house and we had this particular guy who was helping with the decorating and he was uh, in a same-sex relationship. When he heard I was a minister, he was kind of like, oh, are we going to get along? Anyway, we got on, we got on really well, you know, because I, I liked his colours. And um, so we were, we were chatting and one day he comes in all excited. He goes, Melinda, you'll never guess what, I used your name. I'm like, okay, where on earth is my name helpful for you? And he said, we're in this situation. And I prayed and I said, God, God of Melinda, help me. <laughs> and he did. I said, that's great, Stuart. Have you, had you ever prayed? He goes, oh, yeah, I talk to God quite often. But when I used your name, it worked. I went, that is so good. Use my name anytime you want. But could I just tell you about a better name? And so I told him, you know, I said, you know, when you get in trouble, call on the name of Jesus. Bible says those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And then, you know, he got into talking about something else. And then he said to me, oh, you know, we're thinking of getting married. What do you think? Oh, okay. What about the cream? So we kind of avoided the question about marriage, whether I would marry them or not marry them and the whole thing. I just said, let's just talk about that. So it wasn't that long later. I, we were listening in the news and we heard about this particular guy who supposedly burned to death in his bed. And it was our friend, Stuart. As it turned out, his, uh, his same-sex partner had got angry at him, hit him over the head and killed him and left him in bed and set fire to the apartment. And I remember thinking, God, I'm so glad I told him to call the name of Jesus. 
didn't make it into a church. Didn't have to go through the debate about whether, you know, anyone was going to marry him in his situation. Didn't have to decide whether, you know, he was going to be this or that. He only had a window of opportunity to hear about using Jesus' name instead of Melinda's. And I imagine in that situation, because it took a while for him to die, you know, crying out, God, helping me. And thinking to himself, oh, there's a better name I can use. Do you know, I remember when I was pastoring a church and it was one day I was, you know, you're pastoring a church, so you're doing a million things. And I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit say to me, what are you called to do? Now, you know when the Holy Spirit asks you a question, you feel like you should get it right? You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is a test. I don't know why I was worried because, like, he knows everything anyway. But anyway, so I started to think about what I did. Well, what am I called to do? Well, I pastor a church and we plant churches and that must be good and leading a district and I know how incredibly hard that is. And, um, you know, I get involved in training ministers and uh, what do I do? I love Africa, so I go to the Congo and Nigerian places quite a bit. I went through the list of activity of all the things that I did. And it's like, oh, this is... but. And then you kind of go through the juggle. Which of them am I called to do? What, what is it that I'm called to do? And I, I remember just getting on my knees and saying, I hope this is right. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I think I'm just called to go and make disciples. You see, wherever I go, people say, I just want to know God's will. I just want to know what God has for me. Here it is, written down, 100% accurate. Go into the, all the world and make disciples. Now, there are different methodologies for that. There are different ways that we go about that. But fundamentally, we are all called to make disciples. We're all called to help people come to Jesus. If you've got your Bibles tonight, feel relieved that I'm going to look at a verse. (laughs) Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts 10, 38 is just a, a very simple verse that I want to share tonight and just unpack it a little bit to help us on our journey says this, and no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy, for God was with him. God was with him. What was Jesus called to do? Make disciples. How did he do it? In so many ways. My grandfather, my husband's grandfather was a church planter. His name was Seal Greenwood. And he started this church. He was uh, in a gang and he was an alcoholic and he radically got saved. But he didn't have much education. He hadn't finished high school. He hadn't done much else. So he started to just tell people what he knew, that the God who saved him could save them. And he started to plant a church and he got a little church going and um, they decided that they would build a building. And he was praying. He's saying, God, I just need help. I just really don't know how to do this very well. Meantime, other side of the world in America, there was a guy called A.C. Valdez. And he was praying one day and he felt God say to him, go to Australia. Now, back then, it wasn't a get on a plane, go to Australia. It was a get on a boat and travel for weeks and come to Australia. That's all he knew, go to Australia. How many of us would get on a boat based on that? So he got on a boat headed for Australia. Along the way, he said, well, God, where should I go? You know, where do you get off? The boat's stopping in a couple of places. So he felt the Holy Spirit say Melbourne. You know, obviously that's where missionaries go. So so he got off the boat in Melbourne and he said, well, God, I don't know anyone now. What should I do? So God said to him, go to Sunshine. You must really know it's God to go to Sunshine. And um, it's the western suburbs. And it's kind of around where Shannon was for a while. 
and he got a sunshine and he's walking down the street, the main street in sunshine. And C.O. Greenwood is walking this way and they recognise each other in the spirit. There's a leaping in their heart. And so, you know, who are you? He said, I'm so-and-so, who are you? Oh, I think God sent me here to help you. And they started to have some meetings. He started to tell them about the Holy Spirit. He started to tell them about the power of the Holy Spirit. They had it started to start these things called tarrying meetings where they would just wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And people got saved and people got added to the church. And they moved into that new building and they were there about a month before they had to take a cinema in the main street of downtown Richmond. And then the church just grew and grew and grew. And they became the first Pentecostal Assemblies of God a church in Australia. He was an uneducated man, except when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he would walk down the aisles and people would shake with conviction of sin. Remember him saying, hearing the story that one day he was preaching and um, he said, you know, this is your last opportunity to get right with God and I'm encouraging you to get right with God. And this man just ran out of the building, ran into the street and got hit by a tram and was killed. And people went, oh. When he means the last opportunity, it's the last opportunity. And then, of course, they joined me the church in Queensland, church in New South Wales. They founded the Assemblies of God, and we are a part of that seed. That's our heritage. That's where we came from. We are Pentecostal. You know, one of the things that's a great privilege and sadness to me as I travel around churches is this. So many churches are beige. I don't mean in colour. You know, we've got rid of the Pentecostal pink or salmon, or whatever the colour was we all used to have to be. But we're the same. We're the same. We could could absolutely predict our liturgy based on when we'll start and when we'll finish. There's reasons for that. There's intentionality for that. But what I'm saying is we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to operate in a weird, kooky way. I've been around Pentecost for a long, long time. If you've got a weird story, I can top it. (laughs) And so I think what happened is that we thought because of the weird, because of the abnormal, that somehow we have to become more acceptable. We have to become more like our culture in order to reach it. No, our culture is crying out for spirituality. Our culture is crying out for the supernatural. Every miracle that Jesus did except one happened in the marketplace. It happened in the marketplace. So Jesus, so it says God anointed, the omnipotent God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of the universe, who said, let there be light and there is light today because he said it. God anointed. Do you realise that with the anointing of God upon our lives, we can do beyond what we ever imagined? We can do, he can bring things that are breakthrough that we couldn't even conceive of. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is his is, is ordinary name, not Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth was a derogatory name about can any good thing come out of, I went to say Newcastle, <laughs> of Nazareth. <laughs> I was born in Kalanga. It's the same sort of thing. Can any good thing, you know, they, they identified him by where he had come from by what was not acceptable about him, by what was ordinary. They couldn't believe it because he didn't have the right credentials. That's who God anoints. God anoints ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You know the challenge? We don't want to do the extraordinary because we don't want to do the extra. We don't want to pay the price. We don't want to step out beyond where our comfort zone is. I remember when I first got involved in Alpha, I read the stats. Five million Catholics... 
say they're Catholic, and less than a million go to Mass. So I said, okay, if I'm going to see a great revival in this land, got to try and work with the Catholics. What do I know about the Catholics? Not much. When I grew up, I knew, you know, that they were pretty much the whore of Babylon. That's about what I knew about the Catholic Church. And I found out that wasn't true. But you come out with all this prejudice. So what do you do? You start praying about it. Like, God, I just pray. I just want to have a heart for the Catholics. Every time I go past a, a church or a cathedral, Lord, I just pray for the Catholic Church. You see, prayer gets your heart there, which starts you loving. So then I thought, okay, I've got to connect with some people who are Catholics. What am I going to do? How do I do that? So I just said to office, make an appointment with every Catholic bishop that will see me. And there was one cardinal. So any cardinal, any archbishop, any bishop that will see me. Yeah, you know how many want to see me? None. They weren't sitting in their offices waiting for me to come. But hang on, I think God wants me to work with the Catholics. Am I going to quit? So we eventually found a Catholic person that would see me. It was through a website on Catholic evangelization. She was in charge of that website. She said, sure, I'm happy to see you next time you're in Sydney. So I made sure I was in Sydney. We met at a cafe on George Street. She looked really lovely. We talked. We connected. Not at all. You know, it was just one of those. We said hello. She was very polite but very officious. At the end of it, I said, can I pray for you? Can I tell you this? I pray with whoever I meet with, wherever I am. You know why? Because the power of God wants to come into people's lives. I can remember one time I was working in a recycling company called Sims Metal. I was 23 years old and I asked someone if I could pray for them and they said no. That's my one no in 30 years. So it doesn't happen that often. So I said, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. Could you pray for two things? I said, sure, it's a two-thing day. Now she expected that I would go away and pray. <laughs> or if she thought I would pray then, she expected that I would pray the Catholic way, silently. Neither of which expectations was mine. <laughs> so she's there having a coffee. I reached over, I put, put my hand on her arm. You always touch people. Jesus always touched people, have you noticed? We get so used to carrying the presence of God, we forget how incredible it is for people who've never received it. You know, Jesus touched them. Appropriate touch people. Where those safe churches people, I'm, I'm with you. I'm child safe in several states. <laughs> Wherever our church operates, I have to get another, another little card thing saying I'm safe with kids. But no one lets me near the kids still. So I reached out and touched this hand, this arm. And I just prayed those two things for her. I kept my eyes open because I'm in a cafe and my coffee's coming. Kept my eyes open because I'm in a cafe and if they run away, I like to know. <laughs> and I prayed short prayers. But I know who I pray to. So I just prayed those two things and then I prayed something else, which I can tell you about now, but I haven't spoken about for years. I prayed that God would give her a child. And I said, this is on your heart. And I now, I don't know. She, I, did, I hadn't looked to see if she was wearing a ring. I don't know if she was married. I didn't know anything about her. Not one of those prayers you want to get wrong. You know, it's kind of like asking, are you pregnant? Don't. Just a tip <laughs> for young pastors. So I reached over and I prayed for that. And she just sort of had a bit of a tear in her eye. She said, oh, that was very interesting. Why did you pray that? I said, well, I think God just prompts you. And so I just felt prompted to pray that. She said, oh, okay. So she said, I'm running a conference soon. Would you like to come? And I, I said, oh, sure. You know, I'd love to come to a conference. That's what I do. 
And so we said goodbye and I paid for the coffee because that's what I do. And, and I got a letter, like a letter, you know, on paper with a real seal. It's very exciting. And asking if I would come along to the conference she was running, which was called Proclaim, the Catholic Bishops Conference. And I'm like, okay, would I like to come and be the only Protestant speaker at the Catholic Bishops Conference? Well, no, not really. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> So I remember, you know, fasting and praying and, and getting help and, and got my talk ready, you know, which I was going to read word for word because you've got to be really careful what you say and got help from people. We have to do the stewardship component, right? You see, as Pentecostals, we've been lacking in our stewardship. It's been all about faith, 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 which often can be presumption and laziness. I've been in sermons where I've seen the laziness. I'm just going to keep on talking and hope the Holy Spirit shows up. No, no, Holy Spirit's bored like the rest of us. <laughs> Stewardship, people. Do some study. Prepare. Plan. Faith is when God changes your sermon. <laughs> so, which happened to me, by the way. I'm not preaching on this. I'm preaching on something else. I was. But tonight the Holy Spirit said, well, if you're going to talk about being obedient to me, let's talk on something different. I went, yay, let's. The journey of faith is always an interesting one. So I go up at the Catholic Bishops' Conference, said to them, look, i really like to apologise because I'm not a bishop. <laughs> not a Catholic, but I'd just like to share this with you. And so I gave this talk, which I thought was all right. It was my first Catholic bishop's talk, so I was quite okay with it. Um, and, it and it went all right. It wasn't, wasn't, you know, they don't give you any feedback, you know? They, you know. they need to get into our world occasionally. So I had made an appointment. There was an archbishop coming out from the Vatican. His name was Archbishop Fisher Kellys. He was the main speaker. He spoke on two things. For a new evangelization, we need Jesus at the centre of it all. And for a new evangelization, we need a new Pentecost. Totally blew away my thinking. I'm like, okay, here's my man. I need to see him. Um, and they didn't want me to see him because he was very busy and he's the archbishop and, you know, the whole deal. He just does not have time to see you. Okay. So there's 500 people at this conference. We've got a little stand. We're just giving away resource, talking to people. And he comes wandering in. And archbishops have the best robes and the biggest crosses and the most number of people. So there's about 10 of them and they're just kind of floating through um, everybody. And it's the first time we'd seen him because, you know, he doesn't normally mix with us um, mortals. And so we were walking through there and, um, and he kind of looked over and he stopped and he saw the alpha sign and he kind of took a step towards us, or I thought he did, so I rushed over. <laughs> he would have if I'd given the opportunity. <laughs> so I went over and, and um, he said, oh, alpha. And I said, oh, yes. He said, that's the, that's the uh, endorsed by the, um, the Pope as the uh, tool for evangelization. I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, I really love Alpha and love the work of the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, that's great, Archbishop. He said, is there anything I could do to help you? I said, yes. Would you be able to tell all of your bishops they have to do Alpha? And he said, oh, we don't quite work that way, but I can, I can recommend it. He gave me his email and said, you know, let's keep in touch. Um, you know, if I can do anything to help you, I will, which was just lovely of him. And then I said, Archbishop, I don't really know how this all works, but would you pray for me? And he said... Um, Okay. Now, I still don't know if that's appropriate, but, you know, I did it. So he, he, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to pray for me there or not, so I just knelt down ready. <laughs> Raise my hands because, you know, you know, what's he going to do? So you've got a kneeling woman in front of you with your hands raised. You've got to do something, right? So I'm there bowing my head, 
thinking, you know, I hope he prays for me. hope there's not some guards that just carry me away. So he prayed for me, just the most beautiful prayer. Now, we're in the midst of 500 bishops having lunch who were noisy and chatting. Not anymore. We are the main show in town now. Everybody has stopped and is watching this archbishop pray for this woman who's on her knees, who we're not really sure who she is, but he's praying for her. And then we get up and I just said, it was such a moving prayer. You know when people know God. You know when there's just a witness of the Holy Spirit. And I just said, Archbishop, thank you so much. Look, I don't know if you guys do this, but could I just give you a hug? And he went, sure. So we hugged and that really got the crowd going. <laughs> that was kind of, that was, that was an interesting experience, you know. But, you know, ever since then, it's easy for me to see bishops. It's easy for me to see them. They just go, oh, you're the woman the Archbishop hugged. Right. <laughs> You see, God makes the way where there is no way, but we have to be positioned and going around. It says, and God anointed Jesus of Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He was fully God and fully man. We know this, but we have to live it. Everything he did was because of the power of God in him, the Holy Spirit upon him. That's why he's able to say, what I do, you can do. In fact, greater things because we're going to multiply it because the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, if there was a full stop there, our whole theology would be different because we would sit in a room saying we are anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. We might even just sit in our churches and say that. But we weren't called to sit in our churches and say we are anointed with power. We weren't called to just sit and have nice little Holy Spirit, happy, clappy, prophesy over each other for the 105th time. Gatherings. It says God anointed. Oh, sorry. Did I offend anyone then? I can keep going till I do. God anointed. You're my people. I love talking to you because I know I don't have to be all Anglican. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Here's what it says. And Jesus went around. We are called to go around, people. We are called to get out there. We are called to go and make disciples. In fact, when the church decided that disciples should come to them, God sent persecution and scattered them. We are called to go to them. What does that look like? Well, I don't know. It looks different for all of us. But we're called to go. Jesus went around. He took initiative. He was not the son of God seated in his office having visiting hours are from 10 till 3. Come and get a prophecy. He went around. He got out there where people were. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus just didn't go around. He wasn't just active getting on planes and going to conferences and being the busy, busy Christian pastor. Jesus went around doing good. Doing good. Doing good. What was the good that Jesus did? Well, interestingly enough, it's not all the same just been in Asia last week. And, um, you know, when I first went to probably if it was Hong Kong or something, years and years and years ago, I went shopping because oh, why wouldn't you? And, and, you know, I went to this shop that had this most beautiful clothing and it said on it, the garment, one size fits all. I picked it up. I went, not all of me, it doesn't. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. A few years later, I went to another Asian country, won't be named, shameless. Um, and I picked up another dress, one size fits most. Didn't fit most of me. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but I remember I eventually found out when I went to, I was in KL last year, and I went to this tailor. And do you know what they did? 
They copied a dress I had and it was tailor-made for me. Yes, finally I found how to shop. (laughs) God does not give us a one-size-fits-all. He doesn't even give us a one-size-fits-most. It's custom-made for each one of us. Look at your fingers. All of those swirls are different. This is an ADD God that we serve. Everything he does is different. The hairs in our hairs are numbered. Our, our names are tattooed on the palm of his hand. He is obsessive, compulsive about you. And he has an individual custom-made plan for you. You're not in competition with the church down the road. You're not in competition with the guy on Instagram. You're not in competition with how many likes you have or how many followers you have. He's got a custom-made plan for you. And doing good is not a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes doing good was spitting on the ground and chucking mud in someone's eye. Sometimes doing good was saying to the guy up in the tree, hey, come on down, I'm coming to your place for dinner. I love that one. I would never have to cook again. Sometimes doing good was looking at the people around who were beating up a woman and just writing in the sand. You see, doing good looked different every day. Doing good looked different depending on who the people group was. Doing good looked different according to the methodology of the time. So when we plant churches, we plant them in different ways. We reach people in different ways. There's not a one-size-fits-all church planting approach. Any more than there's a one-size-fits-all discipleship plan. It took Jesus three years with different people doing really weird stuff. Jesus went around doing good. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy. Wherever we go, we need to bring the healing power of God. It's healing and reconciliation. It's healing and restoring. When people have been um, discriminated against, you have to take an extra step to talk to them. You have to go the second mile. I love it that you have women on your district executive. You know why? Because women in our church have have felt left out of the plan. It's not the case. From the early 1900s, women could get ordained in the Assemblies of God. They just didn't, mostly because they were too smart, but maybe there were some other reasons. (laughs) I remember a person who interviewed me years ago. I'd just um, taken over pastoring a church and, and, you know, my wonderful pastor now came and inducted me at a time when not many people were thinking women should pastor churches. And uh, 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 this guy came and interviewed me a little while later and he said, do you think women will ever be in governmental responsibility within the Assemblies of God? I said, not in my lifetime. And he he said, why not? Because I said, women are too smart to sit around those stupid committees. (laughs) There's no place for us within the church. There's no place in those roles. You know, I'd just become the first woman to be voted on to become pastor of a church thanks to Pastor Phil Camden. Everything I do is because of Phil Camden encouraging me. I honour him so much. You know, the influence that you have to reach out and encourage someone is huge. The influence you have to address discrimination, the influence you have to say young people are welcome, older people are welcome. If English is your second language, you are welcome. If you have a, a, a physical limitation, you are welcome. We have to redress those discriminations. And I said, no, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. But then I had an elder in the church at the time. He said to me, I want you to stand for state executive. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't, you know, I have enough humiliation in my life. I don't need that. And he said something that it's a really good thing for elders to say. He said, I want you to pray about it. I don't want to pray about it. 
so Keith Ainge is the elder. And so I went and prayed about it. I said, well, God, you know, Keith's told me to pray about this, but I am. And I know you don't want to do this, want me to do this, but I'm just, just checking. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to do this. You see, we don't promote ourselves. We're just open to Holy Spirit's plan. It's the Holy Spirit's plan. So I knew exactly what the Holy Spirit was doing, teaching me about public humiliation and failure. So I studied that. If you don't get voted on, where do you sit? What do you wear? How do you look? <laughs> Come on, it's a game, people. Um, so I was there. I know that I didn't vote for myself. Why would I vote? waste a vote? So I remember when they announced that, I was, I was, that, that I'd got elected for the state executive, my first thought was, oh, no, I don't want to sit up there with those boring old men. Charming, isn't it? <laughs> I say that for this. God has a plan for you that is beyond your plan for yourself. It's custom made. What do we need to do? Follow his steps. When did we get so strategic planning that we forgot about the randomness of the Holy Spirit? Here's what we do, stewardship and faith. We say, God, here's a, you know what God does? He says, that's, that's my plan for your life. And then we step by step follow it. And he doesn't show us the path of faith. It's dark because it involves a pit. It involves false imprisonment. It involves a prison. That was Joseph's lot, wasn't it? There's a vision of what God wants for him to do. Oh, forgot to tell you that your brothers will hate you and try and kill you before they bow down to you. He doesn't tell you the fine print. We just have to keep around doing good and bringing healing to all who are oppressed by the enemy. Here's the promise, for God was with him. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. God is with you. When you plant a church, he is with you. When you go and talk to a business person, he's with you. When you're going through your diary, he's with you. God, what are the questions you want me to ask today? Got all these counselling things. I don't know what to say to them. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Holy Spirit, what's your plan? Where are you? What do you want to do? You see, I just tell a simple scripture tonight, and that is that God wants us to be supernaturally natural. Just to be supernatural, but in a natural way. I was um, shopping again. I do a lot of that, don't I? I was in the shop, and they had a sale, which I like. I'll finish with this story. And I was in the shop, and I said hello to the girl on the way in. But, you know, I was in a hurry because it was a sale. And I, I, you know... I, I narrowed it down to sandals and boots, boots or sandals. So I went up to the counter with these boots and sandals thinking, I'll just decide when I get there. And I said to her, so how are you? How was your day? Really what I was doing was thinking about the boots and sandals. And so she started talking about how her day was. I don't remember hearing it. I don't know how her day was. Who knows how her life was? And I just felt as I was thinking about the boots and sandals and trying to get wisdom, felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. Now, I wanted to know which shoes to buy. But he was interested in her. So I said to her, look, I don't know if, um, um, you know, I believe in God. I'm really, that's about as articulate as I am. I believe in God and he's interested in our life. And would I be able to pray with you? You know, is there something I can pray for you for? And she went, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you could pray. Again, expectation is go away and pray. Reality is lean over the counter. Lean over the counter. Just prayed with her shared some stuff with her about her sister. Really hope she had a sister. And just shared some stuff with her about her sister. And, you know, she's in tears at the end and I decided on the boots. And, and I said to her, you need to think about that. And I left with my boots. 
Now, some of you are going to judge me because you go, what do you lead her to Jesus and take her to church? The Holy Spirit just said pray. He didn't say all the other stuff. Our research tells us it used to take four to six connections for an Australian to come to faith. Now it takes eight to 12. So every time you pray with someone, give them a Bible, do an invitation, you move them around the clock face of faith. We're called to make disciples. We move them around the clock face to come to faith and then we move them around the clock face to discipleship. So we are links in the chain. We are helping our people sow seeds that bring those links together. We are equipping our people to be Jesus, going around and doing good. Doing good, doing good. Would you stand with me? God anointed, the omnipotent God of the universe, the most creative, omnipotent, God anointed Jesus and He wants to anoint you. 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 For some of us, it's fresh anointing. Hopefully, it's not the first time we're anointed. God anointed ordinary person, Jesus of Nazareth. He wasn't anointed with credentials. He wasn't anointed with trappings. He was anointed with what He needed to save the world, the Holy Spirit and power. God has anointed you with the Holy Spirit and power. That is the work of the cross and it's already done. God anointed Jesus with Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. But the work of us, it says, and Jesus went around doing good. Jesus went around doing good. That's who we follow, the one who goes around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy, for God is with you. I want to pray for a few people tonight. And I want to start with the people who've got their credentials. Just put up your hands right where you are tonight. You and your spouse. We're a gathering of fellow ministry gifts tonight. Would you lay your hands on these people now? You can do it now. And why don't you just pray in the language of the Holy Spirit? Pray that God will anoint them with the Holy Spirit and with power. Pray that the gifts that have been given in them by the laying on of hands will be stirred up. Pray that the gifts of the Spirit will fully operate in and through them. Pray that God will provide all that they have need of according to His riches in glory. Pray that they will go around doing good and bringing healing. For God is with them. For God is with you. 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 God is with you. God is with you. Father, let your anointing, which is without revocation, be upon each person. We just pray it now. I want to pray now for every church planter. If you're planting a church, you, your spouse, your team, whoever you are, just put your hand out right where you are. If you're planting a church, if you're not sure, that's a worry. Let's pray for lay hands on this couple. And then let's lay hands on the people around us because we need a few more churches being planted here, don't we? We need a few more churches. So would you just, you can't reach out to them, so just put your hand on left and right shoulders around you and start praying the calling of God to plant some churches, plant some services, to reach into some prisons, go into some high schools, into some universities. Father, we just pray 
of the greatest churches ever will be started and planted right here in Newcastle. Holy Spirit, we pray for an anointing for planting of new churches, whether those churches be in retirement villages or those church services be in prisons or those church services be in high schools or in universities, whether those church um, services be in, in new locations or new campuses or new service times. Holy Spirit, raise up in this place people who go around doing good and planting churches, planting churches.